Welcome to the Christian Life Austin podcast. Visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, register for an upcoming event, or support the Christian Life ministry through our online giving portal. We trust that you'll enjoy today's message. Thank you once again for listening. talk to you tonight on this subject. What will he find when he comes? What will he find when he comes? First Peter chapter one, we're going to talk a little bit tonight from this in the new King James first Peter chapter one, verse three, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Verse. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perisheth though it is tested by fire may be found to praise honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ verse 8 whom having not seen you love though now you do not see him yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible or joy unspeakable and full of glory receiving the end of your faith the salvation of your souls. What will he find when he comes? Turn to somebody and say, I want to be here faithful when he comes, and you may be seated. God bless you. Thank you so much. I will not be long tonight. I read about two senior citizens who were out for their usual morning walk and they both had been complaining about the aches and pains of getting older and as they passed the local funeral home one of them turned to the other and said look there's no hope of recovery we're just getting older let's just go in there and give ourselves up and just call it a day there was a an ad in a newspaper recently that said simply this hope chest Brand new, half price, long story. In Paul's great letter to the Corinthians, he addresses many issues like conflicts. He addresses divisions. He addresses hardships that abound on every side. But in the 13th chapter of that great book of Corinthians, we call it the love chapter, Paul says that the qualities of our faith are threefold. Faith hope and love hope is beyond faith love is mentioned at the end i would like to talk this evening on hope hope that is beyond faith in difficult times we must have hope say amen to that lucy encouraged charlie brown in one of the peanut cartoons look at it this way charlie brown she said there are 
your bitter days and there are days of hardship and struggle. And the next frame goes on and said, if you'll just hold your head up high and keep on fighting, you'll triumph. And Charlie said, gee, do you really think so, Lucy? And as she walks away, she says, frankly, no. A few years ago, a United States submarine sank off the coast of New England, and when the divers approached the submarine, they heard a tapping sound from the inside, and they heard a message tapped in Morse code that simply says, is there any hope? Is there any hope? That is the question still tapped from within the depths of every human heart. Hope is not a luxury that we can get along without. It's an absolute necessity if we're going to have zest for life. I love this definition. I'm going to put it on the screen. It simply is this. Hope is faith in the future. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. But hope is faith for the future. Because a lot of people get hope and faith mixed up. Young people usually are full of hope because it gives strength, it gives courage to face the present because there is a future. And the future ahead of those young people have their eyes set on that and they have hope and they are full of hope. But older people tend to become discouraged because they have nothing to look forward to. The present is unbearable because there is no future and they have only memories of past to sustain them. And such a state of mind is nothing less than hell, one writer said. He said, hell is a place where one has ceased to hope. He kind of got that from Dante's Inferno. He kind of repeated that. But science itself, according to Dr. Carl Menninger, is built on hope. Hope, our man can't help hoping, he says. A scientist only hopes more accurately. Today we are hoping for a cure for cancer. Today, we are hoping for a cure for AIDS. Today, we are hoping for a cure of heart problems. Today, we are hoping for a cure of things that bring people down in their physical body. That's why men of science are working hard in their laboratories to make this hope come true. But in the meanwhile, cancer patients are asking and AIDS patients are asking, is there any hope? Is there any hope? Both Paul and Peter in the New Testament use this message loud and clear. Again and again, they use the word hope in their writing. Paul concludes on this high note, Romans, Romans 15, 13. It's not on the screen. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you may abound, abound, say abound, abound. in hope. That's the Revised Standard Translation. The Phillips said that you may be radiant with hope. The New English Bible says that you may be overflowing with hope. In an art gallery in London hangs a familiar painting by Frederick Watts titled simply Hope, Hope. And it presents a beautiful maiden seated upon a globe and she's blindfolded. In her hand she holds a harp of which all the strings but one are broken. And the blindfolded girl is touching that one string with her hand and her head is bent toward it earnestly waiting to catch the note of that one string. See, all the strings of which we play the melody of life are indeed destined to break. I may be in good health now, but there will be a day when my health will break. 
I may have peace now, but there'll be a day when peace may not be in my life. I may have security now, but it may not always be here. Finally, life itself has to break, and there remains only one string. Health is gone, and peace is gone, and security is gone, and finally, life itself is gone. There's one string left, and that's Jesus Christ. He is our hope, and he is the same. Say it with me. Yesterday. Today and forever. Wow. He's the same. Yesterday, today, I like it. He didn't say tomorrow. It said forever. I have hope because hope is faith in the future. See, viewed from eternity, Calvary and the second coming occupy a single moment. They are two aspects of the same divine act. The atonement and the new creation belong as inseparably together as lightning and the thunder which follows it. Stay with me now. Lightning and thunder are the effects of the same eruption of electricity. Yet there's an interval between them only because sound waves travel more slowly than do light waves. But once the lightning has flashed, the sound of thunder must come. And in the perspective of eternity, we are living in the interval between the flash of lightning and the sound of thunder. If we believe that Jesus Christ died on a cross for us, if we believe that he was buried in a grave for us, if we believe that he arose for us, if we believe that he ascended on high for us, then we've got to believe that thunder's coming, that he's coming back to receive us. He's coming back to receive us. And everything that I've ever seen about hope in the New Testament is not about you getting well. It's not about you getting over cancer. It's not about you being healed of some kind of AIDS problem. It's not about putting your family back together. But the hope is in the soon coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen, amen. Somebody say glory right now. So tonight, I tell you, Maranatha, saints of God, the Lord is coming. The Lord is coming. I preach tonight, Maranatha, he's coming again. As sure as he died, as sure as he was buried, as sure as he was planted in the ground, as sure as he arose, he's coming back again. Maranatha! Maranatha! He comes. He comes. He comes. He shall come again with glory. Say amen to that. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 said, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of of the Lord. I want to say something to some people here tonight that your hope may be a little bit dismantled and your hope may be a little bit dissected and splintered. I want to tell you Jesus is coming. I don't know the day nor the hour, but I know this that Jesus Christ is coming. It's something we don't hear a lot in church anymore because we want the here and now, not the by and by. But I will tell you this. I'm not trying to give you a pie in the sky theory here tonight. 
But I will tell you this, that what you are doing is not just for earth's sake. The Lord keeps good records. And one day, he's going to call us all home. One day, Gabriel's going to step out on a cloud and going to blow a trumpet. And the dead in Christ are going to arise first. And we which are alive and remaining shall be caught up together with him in the clouds. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, he said, comfort. Comfort one another with these words. Maranatha, the Lord cometh. The Lord cometh. The Lord cometh. I feel like dancing right now. The Lord is coming again. Hallelujah. Wow. Several years ago, a teacher was assigned to visit children in a large city hospital received a routine call requesting that she visit a particular child. And so she took the boy's name and room number and was given instructions by the teacher and the teacher told her, when you go in there, said, we're studying nouns and adverbs in his class now. And I'd be grateful if you would help him with his homework so he doesn't fall behind the others in school. And so the girl that was teaching kids in, in, in the hospitals got the news from the, 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 the school teacher and went to the burn unit. She was not prepared to find the boy horribly burned and in great pain. And she felt that she couldn't just walk out, so she stammered. I'm the hospital teacher, and your teacher sent me to help you with nouns and adverbs. And the next morning, the nurse in the burn unit asked her, what did you do to that boy? And the teacher started to apologize, and the nurse interrupted her and said, you don't understand. It's not bad. We've been very worried about him, but ever since you were there yesterday, his whole attitude has changed. He's fighting back. He's responding to treatment. It's as though suddenly he's decided to live. And the boy later explained that he had given up hope until he saw that teacher. And it all changed when he came to a simple realization. They wouldn't send a teacher in here to work on nouns and adverbs to a dying boy. Would they? I'm here to declare it to you tonight. Don't lose hope. God wouldn't send a pastor on a Wednesday night when the crowd is not that great here on Wednesday night to tell you Maranatha. God wouldn't send me here tonight to tell you don't lose hope. Don't lose your faith in the future. There's a day coming that Jesus Christ is going to come back and take us out of here and we're going to go home to be with him. I believe that as much as I believed he died on the cross, was buried and rose again and ascended. The Bible said a living dog is better than a dead lion, so you may just be Worried, sick about what's going to happen tomorrow, but don't be discouraged. Don't be disconsolate. Don't be knocked down. You haven't lost hope. As long as you have breath of life left in you, you have a living hope. And as long as we have our assignment for tomorrow, we continue to believe that tomorrow is a possibility. And a living hope is a hope to live on. Norman Cousins who did some great research. He was a great editor described as a global peacemaker. He was granted the United Nations Peace Medal. And he said, if you have hope, you make plans. I love what he said. He said, hope points people toward what life can be. 
despite uncertainties, despite disabilities, despite suffering of the present. He said, when I meet old friends in the ministry, I always ask, what's new that you're doing in life right now? What's God doing right now in your life? And he said, if we have hope, if we hope, then we'll try. Hope is active. It makes plans. And then he said, hope buys green bananas. I want all of you, this is your homework tonight. Go buy H-E-B or Randall's tonight and pick you up some green bananas because you're going to live to eat them, children of God. God is for you, and if God's for you, who can be against you? Come on now. Come on now. God's for you. God's for you. God's for you. Amen. Thank you for being such a kind audience with all the disturbances tonight. I feel good in the spirit here tonight. Paul never mentioned a detail, folks, of Jesus' birth in all of his writings. You got to get this. Never. He never talked about the birth of Christ. And he completed all his missionary work, written all his letters, and was dead before any of the gospels were written. So he never mentioned the birth of Jesus Christ. Peter tells us what the New Testament all, uh, thought was important. Here's what Peter said, by God's great mercy, God has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. If you want to celebrate a birth story, celebrate the new birth that Jesus Christ gave you by his resurrection. It's a living hope because he has ascended, amen. He has ascended. It's not about somebody that was born. A lot of babies are born, but nobody has ever died, has been buried and rose again. That's my faith in the future. As sure as lightning has come, thunder's coming, and he's coming back to receive his church. Say amen to that. That was revelation to me. I just gave you a little revelation to me. He never talked about the birth of Christ, only about the death, burial, and resurrection and our new birth with Christ. So, I got three little things I want to share with you. When the world says, I hope so, doubt many times resides in the sentiment. Amen? Our hope is different than the world's hope. Our hope is not a sentiment. Wow. Our hope is a hope that does not disappoint. How differently the Bible uses our word. Consider Paul's words to the Christians at Rome. Rome, at Rome, Romans 5, chapter 5, verse 2 through 5. We rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, which has been given to us. Amen. Like the story I read about, a beautiful story of the airport terminal. It was a snowstorm and the, the schedules had been changed on both air and ground. And in the midst of that terminal, because of the snowstorm, there was a little girl sitting by herself who couldn't have been more than a first grader, perhaps six or seven years of age. She sat quietly. And one might have expected tears, but her big eyes never closed. Wide-eyed, she watched. Now and again, she smiled. Security guard came up to her and asked softly, might I be of some help? No, she answered, I'm waiting for my daddy. She waited for more than an hour. 
Security guard checked on her several times. Are you sure you don't want something to eat? You don't want something to drink? No, my daddy's going to be here in a little while. Finally, as the security guard was standing beside her, she had a huge smile. She recognized a man that was snow-covered coming to pick her up. See, I told you he would come. There was no doubt. Hope never faltered. She knew him in whom her hope was fixed. She believed in his love and she believed in his integrity. I don't care how cold it gets outside. I don't care how many storms come in your life. Just keep sitting there and saying, I'm waiting because my daddy's coming to get me. The world does not have that kind of hope. Come on, somebody get happy with me tonight. The world does not have that kind of hope. You can bring security guards all around. I'm going to sit here. I'm going to be here. That Job said, I'm going to wait till my change comes. I'm going to be right here because I know without a shadow of a doubt, just as sure as there's lightning, there's going to be thunder. Just as sure as he died and was buried and rose again, he's coming again to receive us unto himself. Tonight, I preach on the coming of the Lord. Everybody say, Maranatha. He's coming. Say it. He's coming. Say, Maranatha. He's coming. Maranatha, he's coming. Woo, hallelujah. Secondly, our hope is consistently challenged because hope is almost always deferred. And the Bible said in Proverbs 13 and 12, hope deferred maketh the heart sick. When the desire cometh, it is a tree of life. Everybody say, hope deferred makes you sick. It really does. And we are... We're living in times where things happen in our life. Let me talk to you as a pastor now. Where, where things come into your life and you wish that God would just hurry it out of your life. Just kind of speed dial it out. Just kind of fast forward like you can a movie or a commercial when you recorded a program. You just like to go to twice the speed or four times the speed or whatever. Just get past it. But every bit of life's got to be lived. Every bit of life must be lived. I'm going to have to live it. You're going to have to live it. But many times hope deferred makes the heart sick. And we have a hard time seeing faith in the future when we're going through pain in the present. See, the disciples had expected an early return of the risen and victorious Lord. There was an urgency about their preaching and their missionary work because the Lord was coming soon. They believed it. But by the time Luke set his hand to writing the gospel that carries his name, 40 or 50 years had passed since the crucifixion because he didn't write till about 70 to 90 A.D. And it was the late first century when the evangelist was writing. And so many and supposedly conflicting accounts already had been written and there was need to gather information from eyewitnesses and others and to write an accurate account. And Luke considered himself to belong to the third generation of Christians. Still, Christ in the third generation had not returned. So what do we do? What do we do in the meantime? What do we do in the meantime? I'll tell you what we do. We are espoused to a lover named Jesus Christ. And he is coming back to get us. And if you know anything about a Jewish wedding, it's so awesome. When that bridegroom asked that girl to be his bride, he puts her in a particular place. He puts people there with her to guard her. And he goes away to prepare a home for her. 
And when he gets ready, he's going to come back. He never tells her exactly when he's coming back. But he will come back when it's all ready for her. And when he starts coming back, there's two things must happen. Number one, she has got to have kept herself. And number two, she's got to be ready for him to come. So it was, it was always getting ready. It was always staying ready. It was always being ready. And Jesus Christ looks at us, even in our situation, in our downtime. I'm not available right now. In our downtime, Jesus looks at us and says, it does not matter what you're going through. Lift up your head. Your redemption is drawing nigh. It does not matter what pain you're feeling right now. I may be just behind the next bend. I may just be over the next mountain, but I am coming back. I am coming back. I want to comfort you with those words tonight. He is coming back. I want to comfort you with those words tonight. He's coming back. That's beyond faith. It's called hope, 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 hope. I read something that was kind of cute and unique, and I thought it was precious to mention to you the story how God's timing is confused with our timing. A country newspaper had been running a series of articles on the value of church attendance. And one day a letter to the editor was received in the newspaper office and it read, print this if you dare. Here's what it said. I've been trying an experiment. I have a field of corn which I plowed on Sunday. I planted it on Sunday. I did the cultivating on Sunday. I gave the harvest on Sunday and hauled it to my barn on Sunday. I find that my harvest this October is just as great as that of my neighbors who went to church on Sunday. So where was God all this time? And the editor, I don't know if he's a Christian or not, but he's a smart man, printed the letter back to him, added this reply. said, your mistake was in thinking that God always settles his accounts in October. (laughs) Anybody want to go to heaven? Anybody want to go to heaven? I'll tell you how you do it. I'll tell you how to do it. You do it one step at a time. You do it one day at a time. You do it one service at a time. We need you here on Sunday morning. We need you here next Wednesday night. That's how you go to heaven. It doesn't matter what people say about planting a crop and it was good and it was better than anybody in the house. It does not matter. Our reward is not the reward of this world. We're looking for a city that has foundation, whose builder and maker is God. Maranatha, the Lord comes. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but don't get sick. Don't get weak in the last hour. Jesus Christ is coming for his church. Wow. 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 I'm going to be through real early tonight. Somebody needs to buy me a Dr. Pepper or something. I'm trying to slow down now, but when you're through, you're through. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. That's not my notes. All right, so the third is simply this. Let me offer you this parable of reassurance, okay? The parable is in Luke chapter 18, verse 1 through 8. Let's read it together. Put it up here on the screen. Then he spoke of a parable to them that men always ought to pray. And not lose heart. Say, you ought to pray and not lose heart. Saying, there was a certain city, a judge, who did not fear God nor regard man. Now, there was a woman in that city, and she came to him saying, get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, though I do not fear God nor regard man, 
I love this. Yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. <laughs> he got tired of her knocking on the door every day. Then the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? Let me just declare something to you. It's the job of the enemy to wear out the saints. That's, that's your Bible. It's the job of, to wear you out. We love the quick fixes. I've often said that God is a crockpot God and we're microwave people. But I'm telling you, Satan wants to wear you out because, see, you pray for something and it doesn't happen when you think it ought to happen. And you get weary. And you get frustrated. And you get run down. And you lose faith and you lose hope, the faith of the future. You lose that. And you say, God, why? God, why? But what God is trying to say to us in this simple little story is, number one, the parable is first about prayer. It's not the fact that prayer is going to bend the heart of God toward ours. It's a sign of our faith and trust that God will one day vindicate his church. Every man ought to know how to offer God prayers in his heart. Somebody say it's time to pray about some things. It's not time to wring your hands in frustration. It's time to pray about some things. You know the anonym of praise in the Old Testament is to wring one's hand in frustration. Why don't you quit wringing them and throw them in the air and start praising God and believing that God will do for you what he wants to do for you. I don't know if you've ever read the story of Hannah. Hannah, you know, couldn't have children. Penina had all kinds of kids. And Elkina loved, loved Hannah, and he, he wanted to bless Hannah, and Hannah couldn't have children. And, and finally one day she was praying to a point where she got laryngitis or something. She lost her voice. And the, and, the, and, the, and, the, and the high priest came up and thought she was drunk and said, what do you want? She said, I want a son. I want a son. And she was, she was just about done. She was just about done. And, and, and he said, I want you to get up and go home. God has heard your petition. Now, watch this. Watch this now. When God has heard, when somebody gives you a word that God's heard your petition, you've got to change what you're doing. You can't just keep crying day in and day out. You've got to change it. The Bible said she went home, and the next morning she arose and worshiped. You've got to get that. The next morning she arose and worshiped. She was through with that whining and groveling and saying, Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. It was time for her to lift her hands and say, You've heard my petition. I will bless the name of the Lord. Some of you need to get up on your feet, throw your hands in the air, and say, I'm tired of asking for a job. I'm going to praise God for a job. I'm tired of asking for things in my life. I'm ready to start praising God for them. I'm tired of, I'm ready to change the way I look at those things. I'm going to bless the Lord at all times and let his praise be in my mouth. Are you with me? 
Are you with me tonight? Are you following what I'm saying tonight? God wants you to praise him. God wants you to praise him. Get up and worship him and watch out. A Samuel's coming. A Samuel's coming. A Samuel's on the way. A Samuel's coming. A Samuel's coming in your life. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Luke says he told him a parable to the effect that they ought to always pray. Everybody say pray. pray. And not lose heart. Don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. Boy, I'm Bible studying y'all tonight. Don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. Keep believing. Keep believing. If syrup goes to a dime of sop, keep believing. You never heard that? If eggs go to $10 a dozen, keep believing. Keep believing. Hell wants to wear the saints of God out. Keep believing. And the third thing, not only does he want us to pray, but he wants to he wants us to be faithful in our prayers, faithful in our lives. But the third thing is about the faithfulness of God. And I'm telling you, the judge gave her what she asked. He was unjust. He was not a God man. But he gave in to her because she continued and did not stop. Now, let me say something to you. Let me say something to you right now. The widow is pivotal for us in understanding Jesus Christ. Widows in the New Testament were symbols of all who were reduced to poverty through no fault of their own. And though this widow had a legitimate claim, the judge appeared disinterested, perhaps even lazy. Or perhaps he operated as a local village lawyer who operated off of honorariums or what we would call bribes. Everything was against her. She had no hope whatsoever. Yet she continues. Everybody say, Pastor. There's some dead ends that I've run into in my life. Go ahead and say it. There's some dead ends. But yet, I'm going to continue. There's some things that I don't understand. But yet, I'm going to continue. There's some things that I, I can't quite figure out. I can't, can't put them in my mind and get them scrambled right. But yet, I'm going to continue. The joy... That hell cannot handle is when he thinks he's got you whipped. He thinks he's got you wore out. He thinks he's got you defeated, and you get back up and you continue. You continue. You continue. You continue. You continue. It's an amazing thing. This continuation thing is an amazing thing because hell don't know how to handle people that won't. Stop. And when you have that won't stop spirit, you have hope. Or as Lucy said to Charlie Brown one day, they're getting ready for a picnic. I just hope to goodness it doesn't rain. And Charlie Brown answers her back, hope to goodness is not theologically sound. Let's hope in God. Come on, let's hope in God. Let's hope in God. Everybody say hope, hope. Is, faith is faith in the future. In the future. That's what hope is. Everybody say it's the anchor of the soul. 
Everybody say it's the anchor of the soul. Hallelujah. There's nothing that will hold you safe like understanding that lightning came, so thunder's got to follow. Calvary, the burial, the resurrection, the ascension was lightning. Thunder's coming. Jesus Christ is going to complete what he started. The angel said, don't, 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 don't worry about that. Don't worry about that leaving. Don't, don't grieve over that. Don't worry about that right there. The same Jesus that you see go away shall come again in like manner and receive you unto himself. Now, here's what I'm telling you. The angel said, go and tarry in Jerusalem till you be endued with power from on high. I want you to come to church consistently. I want you to be in the house of God permanently. I never have really used this thing in the pulpit. I've used it with people individually. Why don't we just do life together? Why don't we just do life together? Let's just do life, huh? I was at the door today with some elders in the church, and it was kind of cute. I said, when I came here, y'all was a lot younger. <laughs> they kind of looked at me like, really? Really, Pastor? You're going to go out on that limb? You're going to say that? I said, yeah. And they both told me how old they were. And one of them, when I came here, was younger than I am now. He said, I was just a young, spry chicken. And now, he's 82 years old. But he's still saying, I want that mountain. I want that mountain. Because hope is the anchor of the soul. And when you have hope, when you have hope, hell can't handle people with hope. Stand to your feet. I did real good tonight. I got through early. Raise your hands all over the house. Let's thank God for hope tonight. Let's thank God for hope tonight. Come on, let's thank God for hope. Let's thank God for hope tonight. Come on. Come on, let's thank God for hope tonight. Let's thank God for hope tonight. Maranatha, Maranatha, the Lord comes. Maranatha, Maranatha, the Lord comes. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Maranatha, the Lord is coming. The Lord is coming. The Lord is coming. The Lord is coming. Come on, Maranatha. The Lord cometh. The Lord cometh. The Lord cometh. Amen. Everybody say, comfort one another with these words. Turn to somebody and say, the Lord's coming. Tell them, the Lord's coming. The Lord's coming. Amen. Amen. I buried a dad. I buried a mom two years and four months apart. And both of them said they were going to be here when the Lord came. And they didn't get to see it in their life. But I understand that when the dead in Christ rise first, mom and dad's going to get a head start on me. I like to talk about the coming of the Lord because it makes me just feel real warm and fuzzy. It makes me feel so good to know that what we're doing is not in vain. It's just good stuff. It's good, solid theology. We believe in one we've never seen. Going to a heaven that we've never visited. By a spirit that lives inside of us. The Holy Ghost and fire. Amen. Isn't it awesome? By a name that saved us. By a Savior that died for us. I believe that. 
I believe that. And so I have hope. I have hope. Join somebody by the hand right there beside you. Step out in an aisle if you would. With them, just kind of step out in an aisle or step sideways or whatever. Let's join hands all across this place. Amen. Let's just have a nice family prayer here tonight. Let's just have a nice family prayer here tonight. Amen. Dear Father, I love you. I thank you for your goodness to us. I thank you for your word that's been given to us tonight. I thank you for your power that you have made resident in our hearts and lives. I thank you for the plans that you have for us. I thank you for the purpose you have shown to all of us. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Lord, because we don't have hope out of sentiment. We have hope out of the fact that we have true belief that you are coming to get us. And God, I know hope deferred makes the heart sick, but Lord, our hope is not going to be deferred. We believe with all of our heart, God, with all of our heart that our hope is in you and you always have answered and done the things you said you would do. Now, Lord, I thank you tonight because as the unjust judge had to forgive and clear the lady's name, Lord, we, we can pray. We can remain faithful. Because you are faithful. You're going to be faithful to us. You're going to help us in all of our difficulties and all of our trials. But Lord, I want people to go home tonight and when they lay down and look up at the ceiling, I want them to look past that ceiling. I want them to look into the stars. I want them to look into the heavens and say, Lord, I'm going to be here when you come. And when you come, you're going to find faith in me. You're going to find faith in me. You're going to find a heart that pants after you, God. You're going to find a heart that was in church Sunday night, that was in church Wednesday night, that was in church on Sunday morning, that was in church at revival, that was in church at a prayer meeting, God. You're, you're going to find somebody waiting on you, God. I'm not going to wear out. I'm not going to tire out. I'm just going to believe that I'm, I'm going to see you someday real soon. And I love you. And I thank you for this beautiful night. Lord, thank you for these precious people come to hear the word of the Lord every Wednesday and every Sunday. Thank you for them. And that concludes today's podcast. Thanks again for listening.